from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. I know, we, we keep it so officially. Anyway, so, and... <laughs> Good morning, everybody. This is Perry Gruber. This is Michelle Boyle. And this is Mark Grimes. And this is Tiny House Podcast. Today, we have the honor of having D. Williams and Joan Grimm with us. D. Williams is the best-selling author of The Big Tiny. She also co-founded Portland Alternative Dwellings, a tiny house consulting company with Joan Grimm, um, who is our second guest. Joan, uh, I just have to make a plug for her, is spearheading a new event that's starting this year called the Build Small Live Large Conference. Yay. Yay. And so we're very happy to have both uh, Dee and Joan with us, and I think Joan's going to talk a little bit about that later on, the, the conference that she's having coming sure. up. Yep. Okay, so cool. So uh, Dee and Joan, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Thank you. It's really great to be here. Yay. And where's here? In my <laughs> home office in my backyard. Awesome. Portland. And Portland, Portland, Oregon. Joan, you're in Portland. D, where are you? I'm in Olympia. Can you guys hear me fine? It's yeah. so so far away. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we can hear the, the the water bubbling in the background. <laughs> so let's start. Fires burning in Olympia, man. It's horrible. The what's burning? Fires. We got a lot uh, of fires going on in Washington right now. It's scary. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah. We got some of those in Southeast Oregon also. Yeah. Unfortunately. And Shasta, actually. Shasta's almost totally covered in smoke. Yeah. Ah! Yeah, it sucks. Or maybe it doesn't suck, because wildfires are natural. Well, and if you have a tiny house, you just drive away. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm Good segue, bringing yeah, us back yeah. to the topic. <laughs> tiny house is on fire. Anyway. So I have the first question of the day. So, uh, Dee and Joan, um, I've met you both. We kind of hung out. But I have a question for you that I don't know the answer to. So how did you meet? Like, what was your first conversation? How did you two connect? And when did that happen? Uh, I think I think uh, it happened in Portland. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Something we sounds. Can be. Yeah, we're um, good. Yep. Oh, oh, it's my voice. That's what sounds. Like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I met Joan because we we lived in the uh, we lived in the same neighborhood. Is that where we met, Joan? Like, like I would come over and ask you to come help me do things like straighten my garage or you know vacuum yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Was that it? That, that that's it you know we were we were neighbors and you were working on your bungalow and and we were working on our bungalow and you would come over with your little red wagon and your chop saw whenever we had a problem and you would take a look at it and we would discuss it and then we would just jump right in so how did that initial meeting then turn into turn into this relationship and this business and this this movement um you know it's just exploded are, are you both shocked by how a simple meeting a simple conversation kind of turned into what it is well um this is completely i have to say you know uh i i started pad a couple of years before joan and i partnered and the focus of pad was to do some hands-on workshops and to build tiny houses 
and it wasn't um, it wasn't that much fun to be honest. It was a lot of work, and um, and then I was talking to Joan. Uh, I can't remember if we were on vacation. A gaggle of us had gone on uh, to a trip to Hawaii, and Joan had a vision. I, and I really have to say that Pad is where it is today because Joan has worked her ass off. Um, and she, she had a lot broader vision of how to pull people in and network and, uh, you know, help serve up some good education to help help uh, tiny house people understand what they were getting into. Awesome. So where where, where is it today? Where's what? Where, where is PAD today? Well, how many customers do you have? What are you guys doing? Are you around the world? Or are you just in the United States? Oh, we're global, baby. We're global. <laughs> um, it's been really cool. I mean, Joan can talk more about this, but the, the whole Build Small, Live Large Summit, one of the things that I love about it is that it's pulling in a broader audience than just tiny house on wheels type people. Um, and and I really see that as, as being a way to, to get people to, to kind of share information whether it's city planners talking about codes and restrictions and difficulties in getting um, better urban density going, or uh, dreamers who want to, you know, have a better financial picture and to walk their talk differently, you know, that, that summit is really going to give us a chance to, to talk to a broader audience. And over the years, uh, it's been really fun to see people kind of, well, Michelle, like you, man, you picked up the ball and you ran with it. And, you know, our folks at ShelterWise, who we've partnered with, they've taken tiny house dreams to all sorts of people. Abel Zimmerman here in Olympia, um, City of Olympia, has a, a Coyote Village a collection of tiny houses that are groundbound for um, essentially, you know, folks that don't have first or last uh, to, to live someplace. So they're kind of the working poor. So I don't know, man, it's so cool. It's cool to see, like, uh, you know, 11 years ago when I built my tiny house on wheels, um, I never imagined I'd be part of such a, a really fun, dynamic conversation with all kinds of wacky people. Yeah, group hug here, group hug. I have to say it was really easy, actually, to get involved in the tiny house community and the movement here in Portland, unlike other parts of the country where they're still trying to figure out who else likes tiny houses that lives near them. Um, Portland seems to be a real, on the forefront, not only of the movement, but again, the zoning regulation, the changes in the ADUs, and uh, yeah, group hug. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. The love keeps going around. <laughs> Yay. So what is what is your biggest challenge right now? Like if you like where do you see Pat in a couple of years? We'll we'll circle back to what's to the to the summit. So where do you where do you see Pat in the next couple of years? Are you just getting going? I'm gonna let Joan answer that one. <laughs> she always throws me the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've I've got my crystal ball. I brought it to the interview here. Nice. Um, I brought my Ouija board, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it's it's interesting because this, this time of year, because this is the time of year when Dee and I sat around the campfire and kind of sketched out our business plan um, three, two years ago, two, three years ago, and 
So each year at this time, we're kind of looking into the crystal ball and saying, what's what's going on? What's next? And part of that is because things have been changing so fast. I mean, Dee and I decided to kind of revamp PAD and within two months of launching our website, she got her book deal. So, you know, it's hard to, to predict what's going to be happening next and who would have ever thought 40,000 people would show up for that tiny house jamboree. And so, you know, for us, I think we're always asking the question, what, um, what's going on and how can we play an important role in that And part of that for us is how do we make sure people build their houses safely, that they build them right the first time, and then how do we be a part of the bigger advocacy picture in making it a possibility for people? Um, And so those are all really big things, but, you know, we're, we're about education and advocacy, um, and at the same time, you know, I'm trying to make a living, so so we're, we also have a shop, and we're trying to, I mean, I think Pat's philosophy is to do well by doing good, and, um, you know, we see the, um, the role that downsizing our dwellings has on the larger, you know, global climate change before the podcast we were talking about fires burning out of control drought um sea level rising none of those things were predicted right not at all but you know now we have an opportunity to play that was sarcasm by the way (laughs) (laughs) we'll insert some kind of sound being right yeah but you know building small dwellings We know now, through scientific analysis and data collection done by the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality, building small dwellings trumps all other green building strategies. And it just so happens that the operation of our buildings, our dwellings and where we work, is one of the has one of the largest greenhouse gas impacts. So, if we want to make a change and make a difference, besides getting out of our cars, and you know some other things, it's really to start rethinking, you know, uh, the size of our dwellings and the power that 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 has on, you know, bringing about very positive change in a very short time. Interesting. B, I don't want to put you guys on the spot, but you said something, Joan, that was really interesting to me. I get that you guys are helping people build their homes as safe and as possible and the first time, right, the first time. What are you guys doing with regard to advocacy? So that's... Go ahead, Joan. Well, that that's um, really the Build Small Summit that we um, became involved in because Dee was asked to speak in a session in the first summit, which was in 2012. And um, what that summit, the first summit was really about bringing policymakers um, and designers and developers and the people who really um, who provide the supply of housing um, to the market and and. And coming together and saying, how can we make it possible for people 
to um, build dwellings that are smaller. And one of those legal pathways are accessory dwelling units. Um, what we're doing with this summit is we're bringing together the policy makers, we're bringing together the builders, the designers, and we're also bringing together community um, members and leaders to, uh, to, to have the conversation about policy and, and what needs to happen to make this legal and what, what's legal when and where, and, and what role does that play in the larger question about housing affordability and livability. Um, it, you know, you don't, it, every newspaper you open these days um, or news story you see online you know, we're, is really focused on housing affordability um, in places like Portland and Seattle and San Francisco. And um, this is a problem where diversity in housing stock is going to make a difference. It's not necessarily just tiny houses on wheels like Dee was saying. Um, it, it's about getting really creative about um, creating housing stock that meets a new demographic. Um, so, yeah. So, so the, I know that Jay is doing some work like that in California. Are you guys, you and you, D and you and D, Joan, are you working with Jay and that large organization they've he's pulled together down there to do more of international or national level policy making, or are you just focusing on Oregon? Um, this is um, you know, we, we've, we participated in national conversations about uh, design, building, code enforcement, engineering, really taking a look at, and that's all been kind of focused on tiny houses on wheels. And then I've talked to people all over the country who are trying to site a tiny house on wheels and are talking to their city or county um, governance about it and what they need to do about that. We get emails all the time from people who say, hey, I've, uh, I've got some property and I need uh, to know who I can talk with about the ins and outs of what's possible with this piece of property. Can I park four houses on it? Can I park a house on it? Or I want to start a community and uh, I need to know, you know who to talk with at the city of Portland. Who do I talk with at, at the city of Olympia? And, you know, Joan and I met with the mayor. Um, when was it? Was that last year or this year? I can't remember. Some months ago. Uh, and was that this year? And um, I've been a part of the local discussion in Portland, and I've been a part of the local discussion in Olympia. I've gone to city council meetings, and uh, you know, have have participated on that level. And I, you know, my company won the you know the governor's award for sustainability. A few this is like oh, it was before Pad got rolling. Uh, I have a small side business, and, um, you know, a lot of what we do is, it, or I do, it's a kind of a gang of one, uh, <laughs> you know, allow, you know, grade school kids to come and tour my house, to um, attend Earth Day events, to speak to college students about sustainability and green building and what it means to be an active participant in uh, creating sustainable change, you know. How do we get people interested in living differently because you know this is the time where we got to roll our sleeves up right, right. we got to knock it out of the park in so very many ways in order to um, 
to thrive and to unshackle ourselves from, you know, kind of a little bit of the stuck place that we're in. As yeah, recently at the, uh, at the Jamboree, one of the fun conversations we had there, uh, Lee Para from Boneyard Studios, she brought up the point and said, hey, you know, those of us that are standing here, we are not the tiny house movement. You know, the tiny house movement is out there. We all sort of take a, a responsibility to address and to approach these issues in our own jurisdictions and to ask the questions and to have the meetings with the mayors and the city councils. And it's going to take a group effort by everybody on all fronts. Oh, yeah. But, Dee, you got to admit that your your name and your fame and, and everything probably opens a lot of doors. Um you again. You talked about traveling around the country, definitely for your book tour. Um, what was your most surprising audience? Where Where did you go that you thought was was you know you didn't expect that many people and they sold out? Oh, um, I taught a workshop in Nashville, Tennessee, hmm. and the people that attended that workshop were so awesome. And there were I, I also taught one down in Houston, Texas. And that one was also packed, and I have never seen so many cowboy boots. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I guess also, you know, I, I had an opportunity to go to Japan last October. Uh, I was invited to participate in a workshop there. And, you know, culturally, we've got, the, there were a lot of people there that had um, survived the tsunami and a lot of, you know, thrived in a lot of different ways after the tsunami and uh, wanted to offer something back. So the, uh, I think that trip was the one that surprised me the most out of, you know, kind of um, to see people kind of uh, get their feet back under them themselves. And then to, they were building a, a tiny house that would be used kind of uh, as a food kitchen day to day, serving food to this elder community. And then if there's another tsunami or another natural disaster, it would get rolled out to offer food to people that were, um, you know, struggling after, you know, that, that kind of an event. So, holy cow, I, um, Michelle, that's a really great question, and I could probably talk for quite a long time about how surprised I am that there are so many generous, kind, inquisitive, goofy, um, brilliant people who are, are making better and better and better tiny houses all the time, and not just tiny houses on wheels. I think it's reforming our communities and that's, that's the conversation I love to be a part of, you know, it's like, you know, how do we live together? Tiny houses are a part of that equation. But, you know, when I, when I think of my home, I've got my four walls and a roof and 84 square feet. But when I talk about home, it includes Oliver and Callum and Hugh and Annie and my dog and the beautiful Pacific Northwest. And, you know, how do we how do we encourage folks to con, you know, kind of start thinking of home as being something more than whatever they're sleeping under? How do we do that? Michelle, fix that, would you? <laughs> <laughs> I tried. Yeah, they couldn't get me off the stage at the jamboree. I'm telling you, <laughs> I, I tried. I tried. So um, I, I regret that I'm not. Um, um, I do not hold a PAD grad certificate. I never really had the opportunity and timing and some other things just didn't work out. So one of one of PAD's um, really really fun things that I've heard a lot about from other people is your workshops, um, and your and again people wear the moniker of PAD grad quite proudly. 
Um, do you have any fun stories? Do you have any? Are you just itching to tell about the the crazy person who'd never handled a hammer before and then built a house in two days? Do you have any fun stories from your workshops or sort of things that you want to share with others? Well, there, there are lots of folks who have gone on our workshop house, and I every house I've has been impressed by. Um, and then a lot, of, a lot of what happens in the workshops is that we talk about what's worked and what hasn't worked in the past. You know, building a tiny house is actually in, in some ways a lot more difficult than building a big house because you've got to kind of refine and refine and refine and distill and distill and distill. And that's an arduous process. So you, that's, there's a lot of confusion and curiosity that comes up in that process. And then, yeah, a lot of the people that take our workshop haven't ever held a hammer. And um, all I can say is uh, watch out. There's, <laughs> a, there's a lot of muscle memory that gets developed, and you only you only get that muscle memory by doing it. And, you know, it's kind of like learning to walk or learning to swim. It's not necessarily graceful when you first roll out of the gate. Yeah. But um, it's, it's a pretty empowering, amazing thing. And I, I still get all, you know, quivery, and I love it when I get to go to a build site and somebody's working on a tiny house and they're doing it themselves, it's, it's so, it's such awesome energy to be around. <laughs> what are the, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, and I, I'll jump in there too. Cause, um, you know, I, I think the, the range of people that come to our workshops is just kind of mind boggling from, you know, some, some people in a demographic that you might imagine, you know, a millennial or a boomer, but, you know, we've had some, and then people coming from a far, as far away as, uh, Tokyo, um, Dee mentioned Yuichi. And the other thing is we've had folks like this, um, couple and these friends, they own a, an RV dealership just north of Eugene and have an RV park, and um, also have a, a repair shop, and they wanted to turn it all into a tiny house community, wow. um, you know, with the RVs. And, you know, these people walked in the door, and they did not look like people who were, you know, your normal, like, profile of the person interested in tiny houses. You mean that no hipster? There was no no flip-flops there were there were they, they looked actually a lot like my parents in in their uh possibly more conservative attitudes on certain things and i i totally remember them joan because i was i was just like making sure that they had to talk to you and not me because uh, they <laughs> scared scared me just a little bit and they ended up being the kindest coolest Aww. It's like, this is a cool thing. It's like, that's the thing that's been surprising these past 11 years as I've talked to people. You can't put tiny in a box. It just doesn't belong. It's like all manner of uh, age, race, uh, income, you know, um, conservative, liberal, you know, politics don't matter. You know, people, we're, we're talking about the way people live and that, that doesn't, doesn't land in one particular spot, I don't think. Yeah. So, so yeah. Let, me, let me build something that's kind of the tail end of that. Ooh, feedback. Um, let's say you guys were given kind of carte blanche of, of 10 acres to create a tiny house community, whether it's wheels, not wheels, or whatever. You didn't have to worry about 
government controls and regulations, you know, how would you guys envision a community of, of 10 acres to, to develop? Huh? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Wait, I thought you were going to continue with oh. your question, and it just kind of de- just, just, just kind of died. I, I just <laughs> took the room down I mean, to nothing. <laughs> I was still trying to figure out who was going to tweet that you can't put tiny in a box. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag. <laughs> but, okay, sorry. Um, if I... If I had 10 acres, I, I would be honest with you, I'd, I'd maybe not develop it at all. Wow. I, I think we have lots of um, usable space inside an urban footprint that's just begging for community. And we also have a lot of empty houses that, you know, there are a lot of people that don't have a home at all or uh, are, are working two and three jobs in order to pay for rent or pay for their mortgage. And if, if we could live a little bit differently, some of that cost burden and some of the environmental impact associated with development would um, kind of get curbed. So I think I would keep the 10 acres and uh, have a tiny house jamboree on it a couple times a year. <laughs> Just make sure that you order enough toilets, enough food carts, and enough water for the next. If you decide to do that, that's my that's my two cents about that. I would have a, I would have a in the Sandy King uh, contest. You have a what? Design the Sandy King contest. <laughs> the so, you so know, go ahead, John. Can, can I tell you my vision? Sure. You know, I I spent a long time, well, not me, but me, my partner and I, envisioning a very Ross Chapin um, type community that many people talk about with, you know, little cottages around a shared garden and a and a, a shared community room. And, um, you know, that we would just invite people who were like-minded. It would be like the Shangri-La where I would retire. And so if I could have that 10 acres, um, Mark, that you're offering, and and I could have it in the city, um, and I could create something like that, that still continues to be really sort of like this fantasy of mine like maybe that's what heaven looks like um but in the meantime you know we've created a pocket community just like what d was describing um but i i still we still have that photo on on the um refrigerator and i just toured through a community that some friends of mine created that you know, they did, uh, they bought a city lot lot in Portland, and it's a multi-generational community that's net zero energy. It's amazing. Green Hammer built it. So they kind of came closest to what I imagined, and then it's right in the middle of the city. So I think there's so many opportunities in different ways <clears throat> to think about this vision that I think we're all having, you know, where we can have community, but kind of have a little bit of control about who we spend our time with. So that's done with intention. And after you spend your life, you know, um, 
working hard and, and just kind of taking it as it comes, you kind of want to have a little bit more control. And um, so I, I don't know. I think some, it, some days that I'm still holding out for my little, my little um, Shangri-La with cottages around a shared garden. Mm-hmm. Maybe someday that will happen. Dee and Joan, um, as I mentioned before, group hug, um, you both inspired me, and you inspire so many people. Um, who inspires you? Well, lately, I'll be honest with you, I've been inspired by a business partner, because I, I um, quite honestly feel like I've been going through a rough patch, trying to uh, transition from being on the book tour last year and grieving changes in my little community in the backyard and uh, trying to figure out how to help my folks as they age. And all of that has been hard. You know, it's like, uh, and and Joan has been awesome at uh, pumping me up and inspiring me and keeping my feet on the ground in a lot of ways. Uh, and, And reminding me when we, you know, we have these weekly meetings, reminding me why I love the community that I'm a part of. And, you know, tiny house people are awesome. Uh, I just spent a weekend with uh, Darren and Andra Williams from ShelterWise, and I had a blast. It was it was uh, rejuvenating and goofy, and, you know, we did a hike. And so I, I'm going to say Joan Grimm inspires me. And then, you know, Lee, you mentioned Lee Para. Ma- Michelle, you come to all of our mixers, and you always are bubbly. There, there. I could name a thousand people. I'm, I'm going to stick with Joan for right now, though. Awesome. <laughs> and then Joan. Uh, well, do I have to say D? <laughs> no. Sorry, D. <laughs> um. <laughs> D knows she inspires me, but if, in the context of this conversation, I would say. Um, Eli Spivak um, of Orange Spot, Alan Durning, Ross Chapin, um, my wife, my wife Rita, um, you know, are all within the context of what we're talking about here, tiny houses and living intentionally, are all people who are are really um, informing where I'm headed right now, and, and um, you know, and I'll just throw in there Barack Obama, Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> Bernie Sanders. Thanks, Obama. Amy Poehler, Tina Fey. <laughs> nice yeah. pandering. So I like that. I'm, I feel like I am the most blessed person because I am surrounded by really, truly amazing people. And... You know, as we all know, um, that's why we're here, is to get to know each other and to share, you know, our experiences with each other. Um, So to me, you know, one of the things about Tiny that you'll hear from anybody who's going Tiny or living Tiny is that when you have a tiny house, you get to spend more of your time out in the world interacting with people. And, and that's a good thing. So, uh, quiz time. Um, did you hear what famous celebrities now getting into the tiny house building business? It was it was actually announced this morning. Paris Hilton. 
<laughs> That'd be awesome. Joan, your turn to guess. Donald Trump. <laughs> two, two good ones. Yeah. Good Very guesses. good. good uh, Brad Pitt. So, oh yeah. 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 So doing a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna call him and see if we can get him on the podcast. So if he calls you and and asks you about these crazy people, um, can you like give us a shout out and tell him we're cool? Yeah. yeah. We'll try to get him here in person, and you guys can come. He <laughs> went emails with him a couple years ago. He was doing a bunch of really cool rebuilding down in, it wasn't him, it was one of his minions, um, down in New Orleans. And then also putting a bunch of money up for tiny houses, ADUs, accessory dwelling units, in um, kind of an area that had burned down and was being rebuilt in St. Louis. Wow. So really cool um, reinvestment in um, a lot of poorer neighborhoods and uh, also with a focus on um, kind of rebuilding salvage materials and stuff like that. Cool right. stuff. Yeah, cool stuff. It's like a fun time to be part of the, part of the movement. Very much so. So, so D, you've been doing this for 11 years now, more than awesome. almost yeah, anybody if you, else. If you get hold of him. Um, what, uh, what, if anything, do you miss about a larger home. I mean, if you could get one thing, kind of, what would it be? Or, or do, or do you miss anything about it? Um, yeah, I, I would get running water. You get running water, did you say? I, I miss being able to take a shower when I'm... Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't, I don't have running water. I have a composting toilet, and uh, I shower at friends' houses or at work, and... You know, the, I I would love I, if I if I was gonna shift toward a larger house, I would love for it to have a bathroom. Gotcha. So have you thought about going crazy and building like a hundred and fifty square foot place and putting a shower in? Have you thought about that at all? No. Well, not really. You know, I I designed a, a smaller space, a little Varda that I'm hoping to retire into. Okay. Oh. And um. And I just think that having a constant reminder that water is a luxury is, is a good thing for me. I, I drift. I don't know if you guys have ever noticed that. I ramble. <laughs> I wander. You know, I'm a shiny ball kind of gal. Oh. And um, I think having a daily reminder that my life is, um, is perfect and I'm lucky to have what I have. And most of the world doesn't have running water. Most of the world struggles. And I, I need that reminder. Otherwise, I'd, I'd get completely lost in, you know, fluff. Yep. A moment of silence for running water. A moment of silence yes. for running water. For clean running water. Yes. <laughs> so what would you, what piece of advice would you give to the tiny house, uh, the tiny house people like me that have been around, you know, proverbially five minutes uh, in the movement, um, what advice do you have for me or what advice do you have for us? Um, that's the first question. And then the second question is, um, who do you think we should uh, interview next here on the Tiny House podcast? Joan, you go first. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. I am a retired teacher, and I was just reading an email, and I didn't hear your question. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> I thought for sure you were asking it to D, so I just started. 
She said, where's the check that's in the mail to her? That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Once again, for the class. Pay attention, Question students. Question one. What's your advice for the newbies? Question two. Who do you think Tiny House Podcast should interview next? It's not on people's radar, usually. So, I don't... You know, I think Dee is the best person to advise newbies about, um, you know, living in a tiny house. But where to start, I can say, and and, um, I really feel this strongly, that people who are seriously considering living in a tiny house really do need to take our workshop. And, And the reason is, is, you know, there are so many reasons, but... The, the main reason is is that we really pull together people who are experienced and can tell you how to avoid, um, you know, all the pitfalls. And so I think it's really worth it. And there's there are people who take the workshop and realize that t- tiny is not for them. And that is also something super important to find out before you head down that path. Right. Yeah, um, totally. As far as who did interview next I think you should interview Brad Pitt (laughs) (laughs) if that's on the you know if that's on you know a possibility awesome we'll just text us his Um, number and we'll get that going we'll just get that going The, the other thing is you know depending on where you guys you know what issues you want to be discussing um if you're talking design if you're talking legalities you know um, Eli, is, again, I'm going to mention Eli Spivak at Orange Splot. You know, I think he has some really interesting ideas about um, the broader picture of Tiny and some pathways to, to legality and really creative ways of creating community. Excellent. Um, so on that, you know, I would, I would go with him on that. If you want to talk about building tiny houses and beautiful design and you haven't um, interviewed Darren Williams at ShelterWise, um, he is a great interviewer, interviewee. He's hilarious and super knowledgeable. Cool, cool. Yeah, we have. Um, so we actually already have talked to him. We've talked to Darren. We may redo we'll that redo one a little again, bit because yeah. our format's changed ever so slightly. We may get him down here in person and just get him absolutely blotto drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and just so you guys know, as you're kind of out there in the community, which you are quite a bit as well, I mean, and, and this refers back to something you were saying earlier, we are very interested in talking to people that aren't just building tiny houses on wheels. We interviewed a gentleman that lives in Phoenix that was renting his the back of his Tesla out via Airbnb for people to sleep in. <laughs> um, we also interviewed a gentleman last last week, which you guys may know, Dan Price, who has been living off-grid for 25 years in a different dwelling in the same two acres, and he builds a different dwelling every five years. 15 years. Every 15 years. I thought it was five. Anyway. And, 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 and everything from a TP to right now, he lives in an eight-foot circle that's four feet deep on this property. Uh, Mine's blown. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So So we're really trying to venture, again, we're we're trying to venture outside the tiny box. Um, 
Uh, tweet that, Joan. Are you on Tweet Alert here? So we're trying to we're trying to venture outside the tiny box, and we're talking to anybody that really ha is passionate about sustainability, passionate about small spaces, passionate about tiny houses on wheels or otherwise, passionate about community. I think that's uh, that's sort of the theme here. We we want to talk to people even outside the tiny house community that still get us, which yeah. the list is the list is longer than you think. Oh yeah, I uh, I took this road trip uh, a couple of weeks ago now, and I had um, listened to John Francis is a, a guy who in the seventies and eighties uh, chose to not speak. He was he didn't talk to anybody, and he also chose not to ride or drive in any kind of gas powered uh, machinery. Hmm after an environmental accident in uh, San Francisco Bay. And he, he gave this talk. It was really inspirational. And he got me thinking, like, hey, maybe I can walk across the country. Because he, like, he walked from, like, San Francisco to, you know, Wisconsin to New York, you know, just walking and doing cool stuff. And um, on my road trip that I took a couple weeks ago, I passed this young couple who was – walking across America and I ended up pulling over to talk to him and, um, and they were interested in building a tiny house hmm. and it just cracked me up. They had, they had heard of me and knew me and it was just crazy to coincidentally meet this couple and, uh, who had, had walked, we were in Utah at the time and they had walked from, um, they had left Brooklyn in March. Wow. So, yeah, you know, you, like I said, man, you can't put Tiny in a box. We're everywhere. <laughs> Woo! All right. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, we're, another, we're speechless. Yeah. It, was just so, it was a poignant moment. Yeah, we were, we were another, embracing. Yeah. So, yeah, we've got like three minutes left in the show, and I think it's about time to close it, don't you think? I, I think we're in pretty good shape. Yeah. I think so. I think somebody needs more coffee. Here. Or something. Oh, no. <laughs> I have some advice for people, if, yep. uh, for not necessarily just tiny house people, but um, my advice is to every day um, take a moment to thank the people in your life. That, that notion of like, people, nature, like really bask in your gratitude um, because it, it makes it possible to think about letting go of space or letting go of stuff. And, you know, Michelle, that's something that I've really appreciated. Every time you come to one of our mixers, you've brought something to give away to people or um, you, you seem engaged. And uh, I really appreciate that. I feel a sense of gratitude talking to you. And uh, Aww, so that, that would be my advice is uh, feel the love, baby. Feel the thank love. you. Love what a well, great we love coach. you. We love that you. Thank awesome. you very much. Well, so uh, we're going to close it at that with those great words. And thank you very much, Joan and Dee, for being with us today. And thank you, listeners, for continuing to check in on Tiny, tiny, blah, 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 <laughs> tiny House Podcast. <laughs> love so you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. 
you tiny house loving bastard tiny house podcast is probably made in portland oregon <laughs>